everybody. Welcome the, to UGA Sports Live. My name is Rodney DeBolsey. I'm joined by Dane Young and the Hall of Famer himself, Jim Donnan, former Georgia Bulldogs head coach. And the uh, only reason everyone's tuning in on this Wednesday at noon, which we appreciate. We had to move it back uh, a bit there. And that uh, we appreciate everybody joining us here on either YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, wherever you're watching the show from. It means a lot that uh, you reworked your schedule to be with us. We see Greg's with us and Leanne Sedlock's with us. We always appreciate our early commenters. Uh, that kind of gets the juices flowing, if you will, knowing that people are actually in the room with you. Uh, Coach, we haven't. We took the bye week just like Georgia did. We recouped. We tried to get healthier. Didn't really work in our case, but uh, we're we're back. We're going to talk about uh, the old Georgia Florida game. We'll talk a little bit about the Michigan sign stealing saga and the fact that I mean, it came out yesterday that uh, they may have been attending some of Georgia's games, you know, as a precursor to uh, playing Georgia in the playoffs. So uh, I'll let I will give you your pick of what you want to talk about. We can talk about. Uh, the loss of Brock Bowers, you know, what's going on with the offensive line with the uh, Xavier Truss out. If you expect Kendall Milton to play this weekend, just uh, the, the floor is yours. The board is yours. Take us where you want to go. Well, first of all, I want to say I'm glad we're back on. Uh, I was coming back from the airport last night and stopped to get something to eat. And nice couple who follow us said, uh, what's the deal with the show, coach? We got it on today and you weren't on. And I said, we're going to have it tomorrow at 12. So I know two people are going to be listening today. So <laughs> it always makes me feel good. That, and uh, they've always been nice to me. For, for some reason, I can't pick out the name real quick. But I want to do acknowledge uh, one uh, award that uh, Lam McConkey's just been nominated for, the William Campbell Award. Uh, since I'm in the Hall of Fame, they send out a, a early precursor to that. And I'm sure they've, they've – Y'all have seen the uh, thing about the announcement, but uh, it's a William Campbell Award for the Outstanding Student Athlete Leadership uh, Academic uh, and Athletic Performance. I think there's like 18 guys around the country been nominated for it, and then one person will win it. They go to the Hall of Fame banquet out there where Coach Rick will be nominated and installed this year. So it's just a tremendous deal for – Good job there for uh, Lad. You know he's had a tough year, and uh, but I really think he's going to be the difference coming home. I just think he's hungry. Our players believe in him. He's a big play guy, but uh, he just personifies what you want in a guy on your team. And and this award just really sets him apart around the country, so that everybody else knows what we know about him. So. I'm very happy for Lad, and uh, I feel bad what he's had to endure this year, but I, I, I think there's a little rainbow here for it. So uh, as far as the uh, what happened up there at Vanderbilt, uh, we didn't see quite as much of the domination that we thought, but I think from my perspective, trying to put a little bit of silver lining to it, once Kirby saw Bowers go down, he pulled the dang plug, man. I'm telling you right now, uh, Milton didn't play anymore. Milton probably could have played. I'm not the, the doctor, but I just saw the way our team reacted. And, we, you know, the, that game was in hand, even though it was, we had to do some things. But I, I just don't think we played with any bit of uh, aggressiveness like we did in Kentucky after that. And I don't blame you. Hey, it doesn't make any difference. You want to put lipstick on a pig or whatever you want to do. That game was over, and he just wanted to get out of it. So, uh, but conversely, the old coach here, the way I feel about it is, we've been kind of laying in the weeds here uh, all year long. Everybody's been talking about what's wrong with Georgia. Uh, not everybody. I mean, pundits around. Hey, the everybody. Yeah, that's fair to say. But the the, the reality is. Got one of the most perceptive, uh, forward-thinking coaches that I've ever been around. Uh, even though he's a younger guy, but he really can look into the future. And I think when fall camp started, he realized our schedule was not going to be anything like it was going to be at the end of the year. And he realized we were very inexperienced from a depth standpoint, which hinders your scout team a little bit. I mean, your scout team. Uh, you know, here is has got to put 
perform because, you know, if you got the gun to, you know, you got to really do it. So what my perspective on looking back at what happened, which we've had eight, 10 days to do it, is that he spent more time developing our team than he did working on the others. Now, now we worked on those teams now. Don't get me wrong. Uh, there's no question about that. And I'm not there practicing how much time they allocate or anything like that. But I feel like he's a lot more concerned about developing guys, getting them ready down the stretch, building confidence, competition, than he was somebody running a play that might score a touchdown on us from some dipshit team. Nothing, that's the bad name. I mean, some team that's not in I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I mean, which on the scout team, you got to work on all those plays. You prepare, you do all that. So what you might have lost with a couple of teams scoring plays that we may not have seen or something like that, we more than doubled from a standpoint of the, the intensity going against each other, week in and week out, combat offense versus defense and every drill. And to me, we're a well-oiled machine except for a couple missing parts, which really have hurt us. I mean, you take two of our top 15 players in the draft uh, that are going to go in Mims and Bowers off of uh, off the team that hurts. Plus, you add McConkey, very limited, and then just keep adding that. But people don't want to hear all that. But what they want to hear is what I'm telling you right now: get ready, baby, get ready, get on this ride here. Because I think everybody's talking about they're not a dominant team. I don't know if we are or not, but I guarantee you one thing: you're going to see a lot more Kentucky game type playing from Georgia than you are. Auburn, South Carolina, some of that. You're going to see, because I saw it against Kentucky and I saw it starting against Vanderbilt, and then we, we pulled the reins in a little bit. So uh, if, you, if you're sitting there and, uh, and worried about Florida, you should worry about them. Hey, you know, things happen down there. There's, you know, but uh, I'm a lot more fired up about what we're getting ready to do than I am about what, George, what Florida might do. Uh, you know, Florida, you saw the Kentucky game. You know, if, if Milton can carry the ball 10 times in this game, Katie barred the door because I think Edwards certainly will. And that'll set up the, the play action pass and all that. So, as far as the offensive line, you know, Trust did get hurt. Uh, I'm sure he'll be, you know, marginal, but we got, you know, a really good chance to get Freeland ready and, and Blasky probably. So, uh, I, I never have worried near as much about what I don't have going into a game. And, you know, hey, if you're calling the play, okay, we're going to run 7 to 87. Oh, we can't run to 80 because Brock's not in. Uh, we're going to run 628 wide. Oh, we can't run that this week. Brock's not here. I mean, I'm, I'm overselling this, but you, you've got to go with what you got. Right. We got some. We got some weapons, I think. Some guys that are going to come to the front, maybe a little more. Bell, maybe get a few more inside run uh, passes now. They can move him in there. Delp certainly is ready. Lucky, fortunately, he's coming back. So our defense, is, in spite of everything, is ranked number one in the in the SEC. So uh, I think people just got this damn show off, man, because um, – <laughs> Yeah, I mean, how, how, how can we follow that up? Uh, you, you mentioned Robert Bell. I want to give a, I want to give a uh, uh, shout out to the Bell family. His grandfather, uh, Robert Bell, is being inducted into the Mississippi State Hall of Fame. Uh, so, congratulations! His father, uh, Bell's dad, won't be there. He'll be there for his father at the uh, Mississippi State Hall of Fame ceremony. So, uh, is that Athletic Hall of Fame? Or what? Yes, sir. You know, give him hell, Bell, who was one of the first uh, African American players at the University of or Mississippi State University. So, uh, shout out to the Bell family for that honor that they are getting. And I think it would be yeah, a ring the bell, Bell. Good yeah, job. it would be a touching uh, or an apropos uh, performance from the younger Bell, Dylan, to uh, just take it to the house a couple times against Florida. I think that the dad and grandpa would be very happy to see that. But yeah, I'm one of those people, coach. To to your point, that's like. 
well, Brock Bowers out. It's over. It's over. We're done. And you know me. I get monsonitis. I get uh, I get negative thinking just because, especially with this game. You know, I have uh, phobia. I can understand that. That's typical for everybody. That there's always angst involved, and I think preparation wise, I'm concerned about what they might do and what they can do and all that. But bottom line is, uh, you, you just got to uh, understand what our potential is. And I think we, we saw the development of our team there against Kentucky and a little bit of it against Vanderbilt. But what, what you are going to see is an improved Florida team in some areas, but you know, they got to tackle our guys. I mean, this is not going to be a flag football game. They got to go out there and get our guys on the ground. They couldn't get to Ray Davis on the ground. He's still running. I think in that one game, we got 286 yards. So, I think you see maybe a little more running from us this week than you've seen all year just because it's there and uh, running into the seat gap. I mean, between the guard and tackle, uh, they, they're just not – they're having a hard time tackling people there. So, uh, But things happen in games. Listen, San Francisco 49ers undefeated, lost their last two games. I mean – Things happen like that. I mean, and part of it, you watch Kirk Cousins the other night, you you think, I mean, I know he's a Christian guy, but they should drug test that guy after that game to pass the seat through. Yeah. Was, I mean, like 37 out of 42. I mean, throwing every way. And, so sometimes, and not having his best receiver. He's hurt in Jefferson. Sometimes you just hit a hot guy, and, uh, and that can happen to us. But uh, – but I, I will say this, and I was out in Oklahoma, you know, last week and everything. People out there completely mesmerized about Georgia. God, talk about our team. I mean, everybody, and, and, and you know, just saying, what's it like? You know, but, you know all that stuff. And, and what, the, the one thing I want to share with you, I went to a luncheon with Coach Switzer and some of the these guys, they call it Sooners Helping Sooners, where uh, under people, that some of the players that might have had some bad luck and all, they got this group that helps them, their families and pays for their bills and stuff like that. But this one guy was the quarterback on the Sooner team that won 47 straight. And he was also a quarterback in high school, and the guy was – Pat him on the back. Said you never lost a game in high school. He said, "Yeah, I did lose one." So he went through his high school and his college career, never lost a game. And uh, he he was saying, "Boy, that must be fun over there in Georgia." And you know, thirty years from now, that's the way people Kirby's gonna be walking around talking about stuff like that. But I mean, here's these guys talking about that's really awesome kind of team you got. And I went out and watched Oklahoma, watched them practice and everything. They got a good team, not near as big as us. Very skillful and uh, got a good quarterback, but you know they kind of peed around and almost lost to Central Florida because everybody's patting them on the back and everything. And uh, Gus Malzahn did one of the worst play calls I've ever seen. The two point play that they ran. Oh God, yeah. A double pass on a two point play. Hey, if you're going to run a two point play in junior high, high school, college, pro, call your best player going the best way he can. He's throwing a double pass. The guy's running to his left as a right-hand passer. He can't even raise his arm to throw the ball in the end zone to try to tie the game. So I thought he did a good job coaching except for that. But that's neither here nor there. But I am – if Oklahoma's in the top five or six in the country, which I don't know if they are or not because they got a game with Kansas, you know, I like the way our team looks compared to them in in a lot of areas. But uh, that's a scouting report there. But – I do want to get across to our fans that people are envious of where we are. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, they I was talking to a guy in Miami. It's the same thing. I mean, he's this was a former Miami player during their heyday, you know, when they're going up against you. And uh, well, I was speaking to someone who was talking with him. They were in the same conversation. He's like, hey, uh, what's it like to cover a team that doesn't lose? I'm like, well, they, they eventually will lose. but." Uh, 
they're like you said, I think you phrased it perfectly. They're in awe of what's going on in Athens, Georgia right now. And that in, you know, the ride you said, enjoy this ride. They don't come around that, that often. I guess we're all kind of, you know, in every peek in to see, you know, where's the downfall? Where is it? Uh, having some injuries makes people nervous about, you know, what could happen, but yeah, I mean, that's look at Georgia's favorite by 14 points this weekend. I mean, talk about that's that pretty all good. Got to be careful about being, you know, overconfident. Yeah. And you got to respect all teams. But one of the most perceptive people I've ever met anywhere is Barry Switzer. And the guy's 85 years old, sharp as a tack. And, you know, we're sitting around. We can't hardly even talk because people are coming up to him on the autograph and everything like that. And then he tried to pawn up some of them on me, and they acted like they knew me, but not me. Really <laughs> but the, the bottom line was he said, man, you got some players. He said, I look at that D-line. He said, I look at those those O-linemen. He said, you know, you got players. You're so much bigger than us. And, and uh you know, I think it's just a real tribute to what Kirby's done. And it just sometimes grass looks greener. You start looking at all these teams around the country and all, but go up there and eyeball them, you know, on the eye tests and see them in person. And uh, I was doing the James Brown right there, man. I was feeling good. <laughs> well, I'm feeling really good about uh, some of our sponsors. Let's take a quick break and we'll get to all the questions we have. And there's some really good questions from the dog event that you need to check out. I want to first mention our friends at Academia Brewing Company. Uh, it's a Wednesday, so you may have missed uh, uh, you know, Trivia Tuesday last night. But there's another trivia contest coming up this week. Uh, tomorrow night, they're having Harry Potter trivia at 7 p.m. It's also the same night they have poker night. So one part of the uh, uh, Academia Brewing Company will have uh, Harry Potter trivia. The other one will have uh, poker night. Uh, of course, today is Wing Wednesday. They have a hot wing challenge out there that uh, I didn't even know about. I was scrolling up and down their Facebook page. I'm like, what is this? I didn't know that that existed. Um, and then Sunday, they have their cornhole competition. Uh, they've got a new Jack's Cheesecake out there that's covered in all sorts of uh, candy. So if you don't want to go trick-or-treating, but you want to get all the cool candy stuff, you got to check out that uh, cheesecake from Jack's Cheesecake. Uh, shout out to Jack's Cheesecake. They brought us a, uh, a dessert out to the uh, 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 Wire Park when we were doing a dogs and hogs show out there with Russ Tanner, which I thought was kind of nice of them. Uh, they got a Hot Wings uh, showdown. They have their second winner recently. And uh, this coming weekend will be their last um, – uh, uh, bike night. So there's only one more bike night left in November. So uh, check it out when you get a chance at Academia Brewing Company. Also want to mention our friends at Athens Ford. I'm about to reach out to Athens Ford. Once the show's over, I have a uh, my grand my father-in-law's GMC truck, an older one that we use for uh, moving stuff around. Wouldn't start. And I'm going to reach out to their mobile uh, uh repair team, you know, they have a mobile service team. We're within the 20 mile service area. We're going to have them come out and uh, I'll schedule it to come out to the house and get the truck started. So uh, shout out to Athens Ford. Super convenient when it comes to fixing things or, you know, doing any sorts of service. Now, of course, if you buy any vehicle out there, they have a lifetime powertrain warranty on all their new vehicles and the vast, vast, vast majority of their pre-owned vehicles will also come with a lifetime powertrain warranty, regardless of the maker manufacturer. So, uh, if you're going out there and you're buying a Toyota, a Honda, uh, GMC, whatever, and you buy it from them, you're going to get a lifetime powertrain warranty on it, so long as it's basically under 80,000 miles, which is the vast majority of what they have. So check out our friends at Athens Ford. They are huge supporters of the Bulldogs, just as you are, for those of you who are watching the show. So shop where the dogs shop and shop at Athens Ford. Coach, I want to ask you specifically just about when you do – run your offense without Brock Bowers. This is a Georgia offense that ran largely through Darnell Washington a year ago and then with Brock Bowers so far this year. But I've heard of a lot of coaches say that when adversity hits, that, that sometimes motivates your other players on the team. So for these guys that are hearing that Georgia's offense is not going to be the same without Brock Bowers or Georgia can't do this and that without Brock Bowers, do you use that as a coach to say, hey, you other guys, you're great too? Yeah, I think you've got to – be realistic and, and everybody knows that as good as Delp is and, and lucky those guys say they don't have the experience, but they do have the working knowledge of the system. And 
what y'all just say is, you know, we got to get closer together and everybody's got to do their role a little bit more. And you're going to have an expanded role here uh, as a receiver, or we're going to use you more as a blocker or whatever it might be, but, uh, you know, articulate to your players what exactly, how you're going to make up for the, the, the losses. It's like, if you know, whatever you're doing, you know, you lose an employee and you got to get somebody in there and all that. I mean, everybody has got to work together and do their, and, but the biggest thing is you talk to the defense, Hey, you know, we might not be scoring quite as much. We got, we got to be careful there and, and you do your job and all that kicking game wise. I mean, Bowers is in the kicking game. Somebody got to step in there for him. So, uh, Kirby's a master, as as I said at the get go, of uh, of understanding what it takes to get the best performance out of people and pull the plug or push the buttons or whatever you got to do to uh, motivate your team. But not only motivate them, but be realistic and what you got to do to uh, uh, have a win. I know uh, early on in my career, uh, I learned from a coach that I won't mention who he was, but you got to talk to your whole team about what you got to do to win that game on Sunday. And you talk to your defense about, look, this is a very explosive uh, offensive team. And, you know, the defense understands that and all that. But at the same time, you're telling the offense, look, we got to score some points because if our defense plays great, they're going to do that. So you understand we're all going on the same plane. We're all going to, we're not offense or defense. Not we're Georgia Bulldogs. So, uh, what it's going to take for us to get a, a consummate victory, team reward, or what it's going to take for everybody doing their role. We, we're going to need to block a kick this week, or we're going to get the hidden yardage on the return game, or you know what we're going to stress. Uh, for instance, the national championship game, the week of that, which we shared on the show. Afterwards, Kirby spent an inordinate amount of time talking about his team, about didn't think there were enough condition in the championship, SEC championship game because he kind of coasted at the end. And and uh, some some people had mentioned that to him from other staffs. And they did extra conditioning and worked hard. And look what happened in the fourth quarter, the way we played. Our team was convinced that if we got that game in the fourth quarter, we were going to take it over. And certainly it was up for grabs, that's for sure. But uh, that was the mindset, though, of how we were going to get ready for them and do different than we did the first time, you know. So uh, another thing you talk about robbery games is everybody's going to – I mean, it, you, you got to be careful that you don't get too caught up in looking around at the stadium and checking, God, this is unbelievable. I'm playing in the Georgia-Florida game and blah, blah, blah. Hey, hey that's great, but – you got to take that nervousness out of the way and, and get in there. And I just remember the year we supposed to down there when uh, I think Pruitt's last year and Muschamp's next last year, and they, they couldn't run the ball any, and they ended up running like 350 yards on us. We couldn't stop them no matter what. And I would have I, I would have thought going to that game we were going to crush them. When you ride, I mean, yeah. that, was, that was unreal. But that, that happens sometimes. Yeah. In every, every game, not just rivalry games, but uh, it's you just got to you got to prepare uh, accordingly, and everybody's got to fill in uh, and do their job. I think a running game should be should be good against this team. They have a hard time stopping the rush, and they're last in the league in sacks. And we're first in the league in sacks allowed, so we should be able to launch the ball pretty good too. Well, that's the thing. I've heard that they're secondary susceptible, but then Kentucky ran all over them, so I thought their strength was up front. So I'm, I'm really confused about what this Florida defense looks like. Well, part of it was just the fact they just missed a lot of tackles. They are big, but they they run multiple defenses and they try to confuse you. And sometimes they confuse themselves. They don't get lined up very good, and. Uh, you know, that hurt them against Kentucky, and then they made some in-game mistakes, but their tackling was terrible. You know, they got that Kimber kid that played for us playing corner, and our guys know him. I mean, they know what he can do. I mean, he's a pretty good cover guy. He's not real – unless he's gotten really a lot tougher, he's not real tough against the run. But, 
you know, our guys look forward to that challenge. That, that guy left here because he didn't think he could play, and we'll see how it works. But uh, it's a lack of consistency, Roddy, because a lot of the things that you saw with Florida, Kentucky, that didn't go well for Florida, those are the same things that went well for Florida against Tennessee. And that's one of the yeah. games that feels like an outlier this year that Florida dominated that football game. Tennessee, that game, just the fact that Florida got an unbelievable start on them. And, you know, if you get that kind of start, of course, we've been slow at certain games, and it just gives them that feeling of uh, they can play with you. And, you know, last year we jumped out on them, but then the third quarter, they, they played really good. But, you know, they had Richardson. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't know that their talent's much different. They've transferred in so many guys I'm not really aware of. they got that Pearsall guy's a good receiver. But uh, – you know, if you got tickets to the game, you need to go to the dang game and enjoy it. I mean, I, I hey, we're, we're giving away two tickets, Coach. We're you giving, are? Yeah, and if you look in the uh, comment section there, we're not, we're not only giving away two tickets, we're giving away two passes to the cabana area. So that stadium has a pool in it, and there's a cabana area there. It has – it opens up two hours beforehand, free food, all you can drink, all you can eat. Uh, changing rooms, lifeguard on duty for a pool that's only, you know. So people go swim and then go to the they game? They can swim. You can, and there's changing rooms there. You can put on your bathing suit, swim, watch the game from the pool, you know, oh, on the pool edge with that's all your good. drinks and all your food. And we're giving away two free tickets. <laughs> all you got to do is give us an email address so we can, we can send them to you. That's a real Quinella there. Yeah. So uh, I, I, the guy gave Are him. You going to go in the pool? I, I almost did not put this as a uh, giveaway. I almost decided <laughs> to just put those in the pocket. Like, yeah. take, take the long lens and just shoot from there. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I'll just sit up here and watch this game. I, I'll do the watch along from there, from the pool. You know? It was a screenshot of Roddy there on the, in the Speedo. <laughs> yeah, Speedo. Pressed yeah. up against the glass. That'll be it. But, yeah, the Cabana tickets there. Hey, look, uh, the link's in the comment section there. Click on it. Go uh, put your name in. And we will give those away Friday, probably around lunchtime. So that's it's a quick turnaround. We, you know, we don't have, we just got them, so we're turning those around quickly. All right, uh, Dane, hit us up with some questions. I know we got a bunch. Yeah, we'll start with uh, coach. This is a very simple one. I think I know where you're going. But Pierce Outlaw asks, "What's your favorite Georgia Florida memory or story?" Huh. Well, when the whistle blew and we won the game, was a great memory because. You know, they were so good, but uh, talking about 97. Yeah, but uh, as far as the story, I don't really know. Uh, I guess I tell this about every third and fourth year on these deals, but ask about for the game, you know, what the coaches talk about. Well, I think it's the third year we're playing, and Spurrier says, What do you think about those blue pants we got on today, Jimmy? I said, what do you mean, Coach? He said, we never wore blue pants against Florida, against Georgia before. I said, Steve, I don't give a shit what kind of pants you got on. I'm, and he, I said, I think you look pretty good, you know. I mean, I mean, can you imagine he's asking me what I think about those blue pants? <laughs> head games with Coach Berger, head games, man. He's, he, 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 he was serious. He wanted to make sure that I like those pants. Do you think about that every time you see their blue pants now? Yeah, I do. I, do. <laughs> I, I would too. I'd be like, that son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm telling you, that guy was always good to me. I mean, I mean, I'm not just talking about when I was here. Every place, uh, when I was, the first time I ever, of course, I played against him uh, at NC State. And then uh, Doug Dickey had me down there for an interview, and Steve was interviewing too. He was coming in from San Francisco. And uh, we spent a day together talking ball. And after that, we've always, hopefully he's got mutual respect for me, but I've always enjoyed being around him. And uh, he, he's definitely a competitive guy, that's for sure. You know, I, I thought it was very classy of uh, it was Dan Mullen, for sure. A couple of years ago when Georgia beat Florida and the coaches went and met at midfield, there was a one of our dog vendors was actually out there at the handshake, you know, post game. And he can confirm this because, you know, 
a couple of people said it that uh, Mullen went up to Kirby said, Hey, you got a damn good team. Uh, we are rooting for you the rest of the way. And I'm like, well, that's not something well, you expect to hear. And then Georgia went on to win the title. So uh, as much as I'm a, you know, these teams hate each other. That's probably a lot. It may have been. It absolutely could have been, but it, yeah, it, could it, be. was, it, was, it wasn't announced really loudly, so I thought it was a classic thing to say. Maybe he did, but you know, you, you don't want your... I know they're like, not tight. I know they're not buddies, but I just thought it was a... That I came to work here after I had to come. You know, they played... We had a uh, press conference, and then I went back to Huntington, and then our team played in the Peach Bowl, and then... I flew into Atlanta, you know, a couple of days later, and it was the day of the national championship game when they were playing uh, uh, Nebraska. And uh, I stopped in Conyers there. At, I might have seen you there. Who knows? But And uh, I was watching the game. I said, good God, we got to play these guys. <laughs> but, you know, Nebraska spanked them too. But uh, that's a memory I had of seeing Florida right there. This question from Bulldog Ben with the loss of Brock Bowers. Is there more pressure on the defense to step up or more on the receivers and running backs to make up that loss? It's just a consummate. It's on everybody. And you, you just can't you can't say we're going to do this or do that. But from an offensive perspective, where are we going to get – who's our go-to guy going to be maybe a little more and how are we going to maintain this same kind of – offensive uh, prowess, so to speak. So it might might not look the same, you know what I mean? might not be the same style. But Mike Bobo over years always utilized a tight end for his blocking. So I can't see us going what we call 10 personnel where you have four wide receivers and no tight end. Maybe some somewhat, but uh, I think uh, – this is why you practice and all. Oscar Delp came in here early, did a good job last year. Now it's his chance, and let's see what he can do. I mean, you, you just tell him, hey, we're not expecting you to do anything except what you're capable of, and we're not going to ask you to do that. But as far as the defensive pressure, uh, like I said, uh, I think our defense has just got to get better in the red zone and, uh, and make teams fight the yardage inside the 20 when they get there. It's like you're producing the show for the next question. Billy Zane, his question, the biggest difference between this year's defense and 2021 or 22 statistically is the percentage of touchdowns allowed in the red zone, 120th nationally this year compared to one and two in the previous years. Do you think that that's mostly attributed to execution scheme, personnel? If you were the coach, would you look into specific red zone packages in terms of different personnel like some NFL teams do? I think – it's personnel for sure. I mean, we look at the Eagles play the other night. You got a good idea. You got three guys out on the field that were playing on our defense. Uh, and so it, it's different. But you do look at how you can do better. And I think if, if Billy was listening to the first of the show, I think a couple of touchdowns that were scored on us were maybe because we'd spent more time working against each other than we did the other team. And I'm not saying that. We didn't work on the other team. I'm really wrong on this, but I just I just feel like that we we do a great job of scouting and playing tendencies and all that. And I think our red zone potential is going to be better because we're we're going to be really focused on each fo- each foe that we're playing that week, and like we were for Kentucky and and from now on in, and and certainly we were for Auburn and South Carolina. Don't get me wrong, but those other teams. I just don't think we spent a lot of time on Ball State all week, or, or you know what I mean, or yeah. or or, uh, or UAB, or it just I just feel like our Tennessee Martin, we, we're getting ready for the year. So, but as far as schemes, yeah, you look at putting more people in and doing this, and I feel like something I I'm trying to figure out is how do you stop that quarterback sneak that the Eagles run? That golly, that's unbelievable. I mean. You got to put two big old chilardos up inside and just hope they can submarine and bring somebody from the outside and grab them. But they got a 97 percentile rating on their quarterback sneak, the Eagles did. 
Bonus question from Billy Zane. Do you think the hustle Carson Beck showed on the tackle after the interception against Fandy, did that garner more support from his teammates or is that kind of overblown by fans? Yeah, I think maybe because he did such a terrible job in his first interception against UAB. Nonchalant. It looked like he, he didn't realize, realize how fast the guy was and didn't attack it like he probably could have against UAB a couple of years ago. And then this one, I mean, he was possessed. Uh, a <laughs> story that, that uh, they told about Bear Bryant one time, uh, the quarterback uh, threw an interception and the guy was trying to go and quarterback ran, ran him down. They asked him after the game, he said, you know, you're not that fast. He said, how did you catch that guy? He said, well, he was going for a touchdown. He said, I was going for my life. <laughs> <laughs> he was barely going to get on him. So, But I, I thought that was a good shot he hit on that guy. I hope that guy didn't get hurt too bad. But, yeah. you know, the one thing you can always remember is if you knock them out on the two or the three, there's a chance they might screw it up and not score. I mean. Oh, yeah, we see that all the time. Yeah. Uh, I've seen it in this game where Georgia I didn't a few years ago, like have seven shots from the two yard line. Couldn't get in. I think, uh, yeah, they did. And, and didn't uh, Nolan Smith strip a ball pretty close down there? Yeah. You know, Grant them held them out of there. Uh, I think it's just going to be uh, always respectful for when the quarterback makes a defensive play. I mean, your defensive players respect the fact that he's just not, you know, untouchable like they are in practice. They got on a black jersey. You can't do anything to them, but showed a lot of grip there. You know, I made a tackle one time on a punt in college where the guy just really cut back. I mean, he, he had me, and I lucked in and knocked him down. Our defensive guys came up there and grabbed me like I was, you know, Dick Buckus or something. But it's just – it makes you feel good that you can maybe contribute. Jim, Terry, Tate, Donnan. I love it. Big Fatty 94, who's your breakout candidates on offense and defense for the rest of the year? We get some kind of question like this virtually every week, but I think halfway through the season, I am curious, do you see people that maybe haven't played a whole lot? Have, Here's have, breakout candidate 84. I think McConkie's going to break it out, and I think Smile London's going to do the same. London's going to do the same thing on defense. He's got his – he's got it rolling now. He's – I think you'll be, be a dominant player. So those are my two breakout guys. Lawson Lucky and Julian Humphreys. I knew you would go Humphreys. You, you've been on that train for I did, a I was good dealing with every guy while everybody else was on Humphreys. But I'm working on the trend because I asked Kirby about Dalen Everett specifically. I'm like, look, he guy came in. There was this open competition. They went head to head. What do you, What can you tell me about? Dalen Everett's play so far because I always want to hear the coaches take after they break down the film and you know what they and Kirby's really good about giving you something good and something bad about a player something he needs to work on you know he's, he's, he gives not medically but play wise he's always gives a pretty good honest assessment uh, and he's like yeah he answered about Dalen Humphrey that uh, Dalen Everett then immediately mentioned Humphrey says he considers them co-starters and we're seeing his play time tick up and I'm thinking. This is a guy, again, to me, breakout is somebody we haven't seen a whole lot of. Yeah, that was uh, Humphrey. He wanted to know, say thank you. L let me just say this. One thing that Kirby does that I really think is awesome is uh, always recognize players and their roles when they're doing something. And you got you got to think to the transfer portal too, you know. You, you got to keep playing these guys if there's a chance to play them. Give them an opportunity, you know. And I'm not saying that anybody in particular is going to transfer, but all of a sudden you start talking up a guy that's alternating with somebody and don't say anything about the other guy. I mean, hey, uh, but he's not going to give any false praise. That's for sure. He's going to always say exactly like it is. But I think what they do is they got Lassiter, who's you know more advanced, and they bring him, uh, maybe not give him quite as many reps in practice and let both those guys run with the ones to get them ready. So we got a good situation there. I'll throw out two more names just to do this. You mentioned McConkey. I agree with that. I think Rosemey Jackson has a, especially this game against Florida, the injury he had a couple of years ago. I just like his game. He's a good receiver, good blocker. 
And then on defense, you're starting to see the total snaps tick up for C.J. Allen. And so I think over the stretch run here, you'll see him rotate in even more as well. Good player. Yeah, well, never know. Uh, let's get to Savannah Doggett. How many players can be on the travel roster for this game? Is it the amount that you have at home or since George is the visitors, do you take the same amount as the away game? So travel roster for neutral site. Both teams, 74 players. Uh, even though you're the home team, you don't get more dress out guys than the other in this neutral site. So it used to be 70 per team, but now it's 74, uh, uh, as far as an SEC visit on the road game and the neutral site like that, where, you know, Texas A&M plays Arkansas and Jerry Dome, that's the same thing. So 74 players. Bush dog. If coach Donnan was Georgia's wide receivers coach, what would he do to get Arian Smith quote, right again? Well, you know, he, he's in a little slump in the games, but well, the thing that I got to, understand as his coach is the fact he's not getting many chances to rectify that. I mean, it's, it's one shot and then it, that's it. And most of the shots he gets are deep balls, which are tougher, but he did catch, you know, a couple of weeks ago against Kentucky, a couple, you know, really did a good job, but I would say give him a couple of little shorter passes. Maybe now with Bowers out there, he might get more reps. Uh, he's, he's not a, he doesn't have poor hands. He just have he's undergoing, you know, McConkie had a little bit of trouble last year with a drop. So, I mean, uh, these baseball players getting a little bit of a slump. But all, all I, I just say is, look, I see you do this in practice. You can't worry about dropping the ball. I mean, it's like if you're hitting a golf ball across the water and you're thinking about hitting it in the water instead of hitting it on the green, you got to think I'm going to catch it, not that I'm going to drop it. So I would just work on his confidence, but maybe a little bit more let him catch some shorter balls where it's not always life or death. Everyone he catches. From PA dog 610, if you were the defensive coordinator, do you bring pressure against Graham Mertz on Saturday? In a New York minute. <laughs> uh, I mean, that, that's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to mix it up. But uh, we got a very astute defensive staff that does a good job of uh, – Running Kirby's scheme and uh, and doing what playing down a distance. Uh, our defense has had some issues this year, but you look at some of the replacements that they had to make and who was in and who was out, playing without Buller and all that. So I think this game, we can get ahead and run our packages from being ahead. It's going to be a long day for Mertz because we they're not a great pass blocking team. They're a play action team. Let's take a moment here and thank our friends from Dead Soxy. Roddy, if you're in that cabana, you might have to take off your Dead Soxy socks to get in there. Nah, dude, I, I'll get in the pool wearing these. There's no question about it. I have my the, the red and black ones on there. And I think, you know, somebody didn't buy enough pairs. And that's why George has had some struggle with injuries. I'm not saying the two are correlated, but last year, people bought a lot of socks and uh, George was a lot healthier. So, uh, they are fantastic socks. The guys at Dead Soxy, uh, they've got a NIL deal with uh, Ole Miss. They also are working trying to get one with UGA and a bunch of the other schools. So they know where the future is, and they know that Georgia fans, I mean, you have, what, 93,000 people inside Sanford Stadium. They're like, hey, they got to wear socks. So they probably want to wear the red, the black, you know, the uh, striped ones, the polka-dotted ones, the ones with a little uh, state logo on it with a star where uh, Athens is. All those cool socks and one of the paw prints on it. You can get all that stuff at Dead Soxy. They're incredibly comfortable. They don't slide down. They make uh, small socks. They also make extra large socks. So if you're fat like me, they got some that'll fit you. And they don't slide down your legs. And, hey, look, it's uh, October. We're towards the end here. We're going to be in November, December soon. You're going to be in the holidays. Get these uh, multi-packs. They come incredibly boxed up. I think the presentation is incredible. So, I mean, you're like, I don't want to give somebody socks. That looks stupid. It's not, you know, this big poofy plastic bag. They come in a hard box. They look amazing. So get those for your friends and family. And it doesn't have to be just red and black. They have all sorts of ones. If you know some people who are sadly LSU fans, they got them covered too. So I also want to mention uh, friends at 
your pie. I know we always talk on Tuesday, hey, it's double uh, double pie day or double points day. They are redoing, completely renovating their app. So if you have the app, you'll probably uh, notice that it will update soon. It's going to be a lot uh, uh, smoother and the rewards will become faster. So check out our friends at your pie. Use the app, order your pizzas. Go by there tonight, go by there tomorrow, get the uh, gelato, the Philly cheesesteak pizza, the Southern Heat, the Ishka, the Nat, you know, the, uh, all the great pizzas, all their great sandwiches, and all their great custom pastas. So uh, shout out to the one in LaGrange. I was there recently, went by the one and enjoyed it. And I know a lot of my buddies up in Dahlonega, they enjoy the one in there too. There's 70 plus locations. So check out Your Pie when you get a chance. Your buddy Bob Rosado up there. He's in the green. Yeah. Yeah. All right. This is a good one from W. Burnett. I wonder if coach can explain what holding is on the offense. I see receivers and tight ends getting called for it when they barely touch the guy, but I see other teams' offensive linemen basically tackling Georgia's defensive linemen and pulling them to the ground, and no penalties called there. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the hardest things to really understand why. One play is holding and the other one isn't, and why you don't see these blatant calls. Uh, some umpires and the three guys that call it the most are the guy behind offense and defense right over the line and then the side guys. But uh, normally speaking, the wide receivers, you could, if you see the wide receivers outside the framework of a, and they, they've got their hands on the cloth, or grab it, you can see the cloth. They're going to call that every time. And then when the offensive lineman doesn't call a lot on the cloth, but they call it when they grab them, when they're past them, and, you know, try to hold on to them there. But uh, that and pass interference just very subjective. I mean, he's going to call it accordingly. And one thing that you do as a coach and – Kirby, again, the Masters, they scout the officials that are going to call the game. They give you a list of the officials, I think, on Monday or Tuesday and get somebody to analyze how many how many times has this guy called holding and look back on it and scout when he, you know, and say, look, unless this guy changes a little bit, you maybe get power a little bit more of this. Or, hey, this guy's going to be tough. You be careful here. And the same thing with back judges and side judges. So you scout the officials, too. And uh, I used to tell Steve Shaw, who's the supervisor of officials in the SEC, after he was a referee, and now he's the supervisor of the whole United States, uh, you know, the, the guy that's in charge of uh, talking to everybody about rules and everything. Very intelligent guy and a great official. But I said, hey, Steve, sometime – before you die, you need to call roughing the passer once. <laughs> he would just laugh at it. And I think he just did it on purpose. I mean, I said, maybe your son should play quarterback so you can understand how you let these guys just batter these guys. That's my only little deal with him. But uh, so what? We gotta. We're gonna leave some time for this sign ceiling stuff too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're coming. KCKD wants to know about this coaching philosophy, though. When Georgia played Auburn earlier in the year, the Tigers were coming off a terrible game offensively. Hugh Freeze changed some things that Georgia probably didn't see on film in the previous games. I'm sure that coaches knew that Auburn's offense was going to look a little bit different next week. But how do you prepare for that? Do you mainly just focus on what's on tape and hope you adjust in the game, or do you try to guess what they will do? How much time do you devote in practice to your defense getting ready for something that they probably haven't seen on tape? Here's the thing, and this is one good good point that I would make to everybody listening today. And I, what time is it? Twelve fifty. I just want you to remember this the rest of your life. If that guy scratched his ass in 1922, Kirby Smart knows it. You know what I'm saying? They go back and they look at everything that they've ever done. He looked at all the Liberty tape. He looked at when they played him when he was at um, Ole Miss. I mean, they, they got people looking. And so we, even though we didn't execute, though, we weren't surprised by that. We just got out. The guy made a read and he kept it, you know, and they did some things. And we got some guys in the wrong gap. And it's just we've created a monster here. When anybody gets any yardage, everybody, and not this questioner, but this 
what's wrong, what's wrong. I mean, people are going to make yards on you. I mean, they know they got athletes, they got scholarship guys, but the preparation involved is unbelievable how they will. Like I, I've seen Kirby, something will happen on Friday night in the game out in the Sam Houston States playing somebody else, and they try to onside kick and look different. And, and he'll talk to the team about it the next day. Hey, they might be doing this. You know, we've never seen this. So, I mean, uh, there's not many stones left untold there, but uh, I, I think give Auburn credit. And also, I'm an Auburn alumni. Nobody's asked this guy yet, but he's still – nobody's asking why he didn't put that guy back in at quarterback after he scored on us. He never played another play. From BMAR67, I'd like to see Georgia attack the edges against Florida. Why does it seem like no one runs the good old toss sweep anymore? Is it because football uh, doesn't use that play as much in modern offense? Well, you don't have the eye formation where you have a lead back fullback. Everybody's spread out now to run the toss sweep. That's the reason. We do run a similar play on the quick pitch where we try to outflank them from, uh, from the shotgun. But nobody's under center much anymore where you can run the tall sweep. But uh, it certainly was a staple for everybody back in the old days, 48 and 49. I mean, everybody loved it. You had different ways. You could pull the guard and let the guard pull and be the force guy and let the fullback go up and block the linebacker. You call that 48 special, or you just call 48 where the fullback goes out and blocks the support and the guard blocks the linebacker. But there's all kind of ways to run it. But – you just don't see it because you don't see the fullback anymore for the lead blocker. Let's sneak in a word here, Roddy, from My Perfect Franchise, and we'll wrap the show with sign stealing. Yeah, uh, real quick, My Perfect Franchise, uh, Andy Ledecky and the folks over there, they basically, their business is getting you in the right franchise. So what you do is uh, you reach out to them and uh, you text them, call them, uh, email, whatever you want, and say, hey, I'm thinking about it. It doesn't cost you anything. And he'll say, okay, well, let me ask you some questions and there you can even go to the website, just take a quiz and it'll help narrow it down. And there's, you know, multi-million dollar franchises down to very inexpensive ones. There's some that take all your time. There's some that you can do on the side while you continue your current job, basically to find out what, how all that works and where you are on the spectrum of uh, ownership when a franchise reach out to Andy Ledecky. He, uh, if you want to get out of the corporate rat race, you want to have some, be in charge of stuff do that. Uh, also want to mention real quick, our friends at uh, ASW Distillery, you notice I have the Hunker Vodka behind me. If you're going to the Georgia-Florida game, it is the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. I can't tell you the number of bottles of Tito's vodka I see out there. I remember seeing one guy just take a handle of it and drinking straight, and I was impressed. But uh, Tito's gives a lot of money. They give $20 million to the University of Texas. They're huge Texas uh, supporters. So if you're drinking Tito's, you are supporting the University of Texas. If you drink Hunker by ASW Distillery, you'll be supporting the University of Georgia because some of the proceeds of that go to the Classic City Collective, the NIL arm at the University of Georgia. So uh, just tell me to switch out your vodkas if you get a chance. I'm going to read these two questions and kind of combine them and we'll just let you go, Coach. Oh, you Herschel Walker. Coach, what do you make of Michigan's scouting network? Do you think that Tom Brady may have given them the idea to fund it, which I think is a funny point? It was obviously uh, working since Hallball's record was 47 and 22 in the Big Ten and then 0 and 6 versus Ohio State. But then since Stallions was hired, 33 and 3, 21 and 1 in the Big Ten. 2-0 versus Ohio State, and then three of the losses were to non-Big Ten teams that they maybe wouldn't have scouted, UGA, TCU last year. And then the other question was uh, from NCK9. Coach, uh, what can you tell us about sign stealing and how much has it changed from the 90s until today? Well, number one, I'm, I'm not going to poo-poo this and say, well, everybody's doing it. Everybody's not doing it. You cannot <laughs> – go to another stadium that a team's playing in and videotape that team. It's a it's a rule not to scout somebody. They passed that rule 30 years ago because of a cost-saving deal of, uh, hey, we got the, the tape. We exchange the tapes. You, you, everybody's got things like that. But if you've got the ability to, and I'm going to give you an example, to go in there and videotape, the signalers on the sideline 
and then take that back and match it up with the plays that are called and what they run, whether it's offense or defense, you got a good idea what they're going to be doing during the game. And you can can go with the the flow there of the game. And as uh, they call the play uh, or call the defense, you can coordinate that. As far as Jim Harbaugh, I'm, I'm not here to cast stones, but there's no head coach in America that has a headset on that's mute. So he's got to hear these different guys saying, hey, they're in cover too. They're in this, or blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, this is a signal, all that. So he can't say, well, I didn't have any, I didn't have any knowledge of that. What's he doing during the games? I mean, he's not watching his khakis during the game. I mean, he's got these high headsets on. So, uh, but it's a blatant, blatant uh, misrepresentation of the rules to go visit somebody else's campus buy a ticket or scout somebody that may be a, a, a opponent like you're mentioning to uh, Georgia or whoever it might be in, in a game because who you're going to play in the playoffs. So that's number one. Number two, as far as sign stealing, stealing itself, I mean, it's it's open deal during the game. That's why you see guys putting their head, uh, their placard up and so people can't read their lips and you got these drapes on the sideline where they can't look at their signals and all that. That's just, that's the way it is. We got to go like the pros now. We got to get the communication where the guys can talk to the quarterback or the defensive linebacker and call the signals like they do it right straight into the helmet. That's, that'll just solve all of it. But if I'm a big 10 team right now, I'm pissed. That's a tremendous advantage for them to have that. And it's pretty much, uh, the conference needs to step up and do something about it. Now, uh, you just you can't do stuff like that. Over to you. I'm gonna give you a good example. Tony Dorsett was a great running back for Pitt, and Johnny Majors was the coach. The only time he never got 100 yards that I can remember is West Virginia had an open date, and they they went and took a Super 8 camera and videotaped the the, the uh, plays. Uh, the signals on the sideline, offensive signals, and wrote them down and then went back and matched them with the uh, calls on the tape. In the next game, they played West Virginia Pitt, and they stoned them. They knew what they were running. Every play, they held up 100%. So you got to, you know, everybody said, well, you still got to make the plays and all that. If I got to tackle Tony Dorsett and I know he's going outside, I got a better chance than if he's going inside. You know what I mean? So, uh and that, that's a true story. As far as things like sign stealing, stuff like that, I've had teams send some – send a, uh, when I was at Florida State, we are playing a team that sent a guy that joined our band for two weeks and watched us practice. What? He was he – was, he joined the band. The band was practicing right beside us and watched us and made notes on our, on our game. We won, but they – you know, hey, we held up. So the next year, uh, Steve Sloan went to uh, Georgia Tech, and uh, one of the quarterbacks at Florida State transferred to Rice, and Rice was playing Georgia Tech, and the Rice coach took, even though the kid was ineligible, he took him to the game against Georgia Tech and had him standing beside the defensive coordinator, and when Sloan was signaling the plays, he told him what the play was. They got after them pretty good, too. So, I mean, there's a lot of ways you can do stuff like that. Uh, and the last thing is skunking. And what we used to call a skunk was somebody that stinks for sure. But you go and watch another team practice. I mean, whether you go get in a library or, uh, you know, wherever it might be, you have access to it and you can watch them. Um, I, I never I never had anybody do that at my direction. I mean, I'm, I'm, I certainly have heard the results of it. Somebody's told me what happened and I didn't close my ears and listen. But I mean, it's just the way it goes. But the funny thing that when I was coaching at North Carolina, I'm prepared for this now. I've only got a few minutes, but I'm giving you all I got. So uh, we had this guy that used to run around the track over at NC State. And uh, I don't know if he knew if the football was blown up or stuffed or anything, but he secretary called over there and said, said, hey, uh, this guy wants to talk to one of the coaches. Uh, he's been watching state practice. And I, so, so I got on the phone. And he said, look, 
So I've been watching them the last couple of days, and they're running a the quick kick out of the tall sweep. I said, yes, sir, you didn't run it that. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a new play. That's a good one. Yeah, that's, I appreciate you telling me about it. Well, I didn't tell anything about it. And I'd be dang it. Uh, we played them on Saturday there at Keenan Stadium, and they were backed up. And Johnny Freight Train Evans was a was the guy, and they they pitched him the ball, and he kicked it on a quick kick from about the seven yard line. And I never did tell any of our coaches that I had that knowledge, but uh, certainly I should have. But uh, you never know. I mean, how many times you run a quick kick off a tall swing? But uh, Coach, realistically, is is there ramifications you think coming for Michigan this season? I mean, we're talking six if weeks. Not, if there's not, they don't have any. I mean, they, they got to have some strength in the. I mean, if you're a coach in the Big Ten and another team is blatantly doing something like that, like I told you, it'd be like Greg Sankey said, okay, every time Georgia plays this year, we're going to let you kick off from the 50 yard line instead of 35. Okay, yeah. go ahead. I mean, that's the kind of rule breaking it. I mean, it's a tremendous advantage to steal signals, and you you got that choice. But when you've got that video that backs it up, and you can look at, and they've got placards, they got pictures of them right now that shows the different look like stick figures on these placards showing their different things, you know, like strong or weak or whatever it might be. And the guy's standing there, and he just tells them what it is. So. And there were some really good, good uh, signalers, uh, signs, you know, signs stealers over the years. You know, they, they were used to talking about Clemson being so good when Venables was there. And you know, I remember when we played Clemson the first game when Bunkin was here uh, against them, and we had all those different ways we talked about on the watch along where we had the wristbands and we had the, you know, the place where we stayed in the huddle and where we had the messenger system where we'd send the guy in and things like that. So. It's a it's a vicious cycle trying to win a game, and it's more it's great anything you can do during the game. But prior to the game, going to another team stadium and paying the kind of prices you got to pay to get a ticket in that area, you know, stub up or where it might be. I mean, I don't know who was paying for this guy, but thirty different he had thirty different people or tickets at 30 different venues, you know, and I guess they had some guys they would send and all they do is video. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of letting everything out of the bag here, but uh, I, you know, I got some skunk stories that are just drive you nuts, man. Uh, that, that's, that's wrong. Uh, I mean, is it a fireable offense for the head coach? I mean, I'm sure they'll fire. It's definitely one that he would be called by the ethics committee, the AFCA. You know, I guarantee you that. I don't know that you could fire him about it, but they do have this thing now. You know, the code of conduct for every school and for conferences that that ultimately anything that happens within the program is that under the auspices of the head coach. So even if he remotely says he didn't know anything about it, it's still his his baby. You know, so. But I mean, they, I mean, and all the Michigan people are saying, what's the violation? They could go to the game and all that. No, maybe so, but they're going to have to get some video of them doing it at the games. But there's nothing wrong with what they do as far as stealing them during the games. But you can't have all that stuff, sophisticated stuff on the sideline that they've gotten for information just by watching the, by watching them during the game. You know, I mean, you, you got to. You got to have some kind of predetermined deal where they had some chronological plays set up. My joke right now, coach, is that I think uh, the full evidence of Texas not being back is that Michigan had no interest in stealing Texas signs last year. <laughs> Who said that? Me. That's my joke that I've been coming up with. Oh, like Texas, you've seen all you know. Clemson had okay, the tickets huh, were there. Huh, that's good. They didn't. They weren't worried about Texas, but uh, yeah. but I. I you know, I'll, every every coach is paranoid about signs and stuff. I mean, that it's it's your life. I mean, you know, it's your lifeblood of your team. You, you don't want somebody to know what the play is. 
I mean, there's so many ways that we're seeing now of the coaches wearing the Tennessee does this right where the coaches wear the different colors. And, and so seeing Tennessee in green feels weird, but that coach is doing that. And there's so many different things they do on sidelines just to get the right signals in and make sure they can't be stolen. Well, we had, uh, you know, you have a live and a dead signaler. I mean, you got maybe two or even three guys giving the call and you, one of them's live and the other two are dead. And so, because you want to make sure they don't know which one. But we had a guy that uh, in Missouri, the name was Wagner, but we called him Wags. He was one of the best signalers. He took a lot of he loved being able to get after the other team and give them false looks and stuff on his signals. I got him today. He said, they don't think I'm live, but I'm going live. And all. He, he, it was his deal. And he was a, he played a little bit for us, but he, he took a lot of pride in being a great, great signaler. So, uh, and, uh, you know, the wristbands are good. Uh, those are good ways to just get everybody on the team has a wristband. And you say wristband and then number one or number four or whatever it might be, and you just look at that, and you don't have to go into hole or anything. You just run that. Was it Paul Johnson that virtually just had a, a, a substitution every play? And so – I got to go. Uh, I'll see you all in a minute. All right. See you, Roddy. Was it what? Was it Paul Johnson that would just run in a substitution for essentially yeah, every he, play? He used the guard to go in and in and out. He was, he was good. Yeah, so yeah. they could call it that way. I started out with Paul Brown with the uh, – uh, Cleveland Browns, he used to have the guard messenger, and they would every play or a different guard would go in with a play. Yeah. Well, we need to wrap it up here. We thank all our sponsors for uh, checking us out and supporting what we do. Coach, always thanks to you. Thanks to Roddy. We'll see everyone next week. And make sure that you watch our UGA Sports Watch Along show. Coach, we'll have it, me and you, as Roddy heads down to his cabana because I think he'll end up uh, finding his way in there even after he's the gonna, ticket He was leaving then because he got a sale on sunscreen at Walmart. <laughs> he's going to get some. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see y'all Saturday for the watch along show about 3.30 right here on the same YouTube channel. Y'all take care.